I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the New Testament book of 1 John, and we're going to be in chapter number 4 as we begin a brand new sermon series this morning called Deep Emotion. We're going to be looking through the summertime at six emotions, and we're going to be looking at them from a biblical perspective. Some of them are going to be somewhat uncomfortable. We're going to be looking at emotions like fear, and we're going to look at anger, and we're going to be looking at pride, and we're going to be looking at sorrow, and we're going to be looking at joy. And this morning, we're actually going to be looking at love. Now, I would hope that you don't check out. You just say, okay, I got love, I know love, I know what that's all about, and I'm just going to take a couple of notes and um, we're good. We're going to do a deep dive into love this morning. I asked if you guys can bring me down just a little bit back there at the booth. Thank you. I was at the Starbucks, going into the Starbucks on Thursday, and it was very evident by walking in that a particular segment of our society right now in this month is openly celebrating the month of June with a very harsh misrepresentation of a gift from God, along with many rainbow stickers on the windows that's welcoming patrons into the coffee shop, there was, on the front of the, the coffee chain, these, these bold statements that are purposefully creating confusion and creating a willful and wrongful and worldly redefinition of the word love. The sticker in this window simply said this, three words, and you may have seen this recently, it says, love is love. Now, I'm not going to dive in this morning from the, the pulpit to the content behind the, the rainbows and, and the celebration in June, because the Bible is very, very clear on this topic. It is not a gray area. It is, it is a black and white area, uh, a, a definition. When it comes to our society's redefinition and reinterpretation of such a words like love and marriage and, and gender and, and so on, when we look at our instruction Emmanuel, it's not a gray area. The Bible really leaves no room for questions in this area. The Bible is very, very clear. Today we're going to focus, as we look into deep emotion, we're going to look at this thought that love is love. I told you there's going to be some things in this sermon series that may somewhat be uncomfortable. I will say that this is by far one of the most unbiblical concepts that has ever been published on the door of a Starbucks window. It, it is even more than just being an unbiblical concept, it is absolutely a very dangerous concept. It's a hazardous theory that 
certainly is plaguing our society when we prominently display in what seems like a very non-threatening atmosphere and we put a context, we put a theory that is threatening in an area that seems non-threatening, what happens is what we're doing is we are, we are taking a wolf and we are literally putting sheep's clothing on it and putting it someplace that we feel is safe. There is a colossal endangerment within the acceptance of, 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 of what we're seeing in this misrepresentation of, of God's value of love to us, and the effects that we're seeing in our, our world are seen in the deepest of our societies degrading right now around the redefinition of the word love. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning. As I mentioned a moment ago, we are in 1 John chapter 4, and we're working through a sermon that I have titled, True Love. Now, in order for us to get a, an idea on, on what the Apostle John is talking about here in 1 John, we actually need to see what the Bible is saying about true love, and we are going to go back in your Bible. And we're going to go back further. We're going to go almost to like page two, right after the table of contents. So you're going to get to Genesis, and we're going all the way back to Genesis chapter one. I'm going to read you this from Genesis chapter one, verse number 28. We read this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. We say that man was created in God's image. God is an eternal spirit. That means for us to be made in the image of God is not physical, but rather it, is, it has to do with the immaterial part of us. It has to do with the spiritual part of us. The, the, the Hebrew word here... It means to be carved out, that, that, that God literally has carved us out in his own image, that man was created with the essence that is replicating God. Man, man is not God, but man is reflective of God. Man was created not to be God, but to be like God, not to be God. God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they work in unison together. God naturally exists in an interpersonal relationship. Man was created with the capacity for relationships. Man was created, God created man in the image of himself, with self-consciousness. Man has the ability and the capacity to understand and to understand himself. We have the capacity to think abstractly. We have the capacity to appreciate beauty. We have the capacity to feel emotion. Man has the capacity to acquire wisdom. All of these are important in developing relationships. 
man has the ability to develop relationships with each other, more importantly, to develop a relationship with God. All of these attributes that man was given were given so that man can have deep relationships with each other and to have a deep personal relationship with God so that we can love others, so that we could love God. The core, then, of the image of God can be summed up in the idea of personal relationships. Man is made with the capacity to love, to love others, and to love God. This image that God carved into man was carved into man the only creation, the only work of God that he created this into was man. Nothing else. Although man might share some qualities with other parts of creation, we might share some qualities with biological features with with plants and, and other structures on a on a cellular level there are no other creatures there are no other parts of creation that is like man man does not ascend from any of other of god's other creations Man is above them because man was made above them. The image that God carved into man is different than any other creation so that we can have relationships with each other and we can have relationships with God. Cows were not built with the ability to obtain wisdom. Ducks were not given the ability to express and to react to emotion. Trees were not given the ability to have a personal relationship and can connect personally and, and, and to share joy and sorrow with other trees. Those are qualities that God built into man. I want you to pick up the lesson with me. We are in 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse number 7. John writes this, 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, and one who does not love, um, and one who does not love, does not know God, because watch this, God is love. In these two verses, we see the word love five times. It's so important to understand the definition of love before we can really understand what the Apostle John is writing. Or to be fair to say, if he is writing about love, and if we have a misinterpreted understanding of love, then we're not going to entirely be able to see what it is that John is trying to tell us. In the Greek, John is using the word agape. There are four to five different terms for the word love in Greek, and if we go back into the original Hebrew in the Old Testament, there is even more than that. Unfortunately, in English, 
We have one word that we call, we say love, and we give it a massive amount of definitions, and we leave it open to let the world add definitions to that word as it sees fit. But what John is using is the word agape. When John uses this word for love, he is defining love like this. This is going to be important. Agape love is the love which centers on a moral preference. It is a divine love, meaning that it is spiritual. It is from God. It is only from God. 1 John 4.18 refers to it as love as Christians towards other Christians. It is the love of men towards God. The world is not going to define love as a love or as an emotion of love of man towards God. That is God's definition. It is the love that God the Father has for God the Son. It is the love that God the Son has for the Holy Spirit. It is the love that the Holy Spirit has for God the Father. It is the love that God has for man. It is the love that man has for God. It is the love that the Father has for you. But let me tell you, that is different than the definition of the world that the world has. It's, a, it's different from the definition that the world says it has for you or you are to have for others. We can go into the Gospels and we can see, we can see Jesus in moments of agony. We can see him in moments of prayer. We can see his love for God the Father. We can see his love for his disciples Jesus being God the Son. That is a different love than our culture tries to redefine love as. In 1 John chapter 3, verse number 10, it says this, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not for, from God, nor the one who does not have love for his brother or sister. Did you see the lines in the sand that were drawn in Scripture? Children of God? Obvious. Children of the devil? Obvious. Let me stop right here for just a quick second. First of all, please don't get mad at me. Please don't hate me. I didn't write the book. I didn't write the book. This is God-breathed context to you and I that has been brought down through the generations, and it has not changed. It will not change. It doesn't matter what society you are in. You cannot change God's Word. Amen? It says, anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. 
That too should be obvious. Next time we get together, or soon we're going to get together, and we are going to look at the word righteousness, because that is another word that our world likes to take and redefine. But that is a spiritual word. That is God's word. As soon as man redefines God's qualities, and we know that man is born with a sinful heart, what we have done is we have put sin into God's qualities. It is not our job to redefine something that God has set in stone. So in order to fully know what it is, and to understand what it is, what love is, we need to have a definition. We need to know what is it that true love is. We need to be able to see what is it that true love isn't. Our world will tell you that, that, that love is love, and it can be whatever you want it to be. And, and you can define love yourself, and, and then you can assign yourself as a person of love, and then you can pass the love test, and now you can call yourself righteous because you passed your own written or our society's own written love test. Let's look for a moment at some worldly definitions of love. Now, I'm going to tell you, I will cite my source. This comes straight from Allure Magazine, which is the world's premier authority on love. M minus the authority on love. It still comes, though, from Allure Magazine. You may have heard some of these. Um, love is when someone starts to take up space in your mind. That's what Allure Magazine says. Love is when you choose to be at your best when the other person is not at their best. That sounds, that sounds nice. That sounds pretty. Or love isn't just a feeling. Love is a choice. That's what Allure Magazine says, the premier authority on love, right? Love is never rushing into relationships. That one sounds pretty too. How about this? Love is giving yourself a chance. Just give yourself a chance. That is, that's love. I'm so glad we have Allure magazine. I really am. Worldly definitions of a divine attribute? Really? You see the difference? A little bit of a difference. Follow me to 1 John. We're in chapter 2. I'm in uh, verse number 15. John says this. This is so important. <clears throat> Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, watch this, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father. It is from the world. The world, watch this, is passing away to, uh, is passing away, is passing away, and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. God's love is based on the love of God's will. Agape love 
It's more than anything that you can imagine. It's a definition from God. It is a love for God's will. God the Son loved the will of God the Father. God the Holy Spirit loves the will of God the Son. If we are to change that and say that we love the will of love the world, that's not true love. That's not perfect love. I want you to write this down. This is point number one in your notes this morning, and this is so important. We just read a minute ago that God is love, but watch this. Love is not God. God is love, but love is not God. To worship a man-made definition of love You know what that is? That's to worship an idol. Because that means it's something that we created, right? If we are going to create a definition, we are going to redefine a word, we are going to worship that we have created an idol. And children of God are prohibited from worshiping idols. We're told that many, 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 many times. The nation of Israel, all throughout their history... We're disciplined time and time and time again for worshiping idols because they took something worldly and they put it in God's place. When we put love first, we are putting God at least second. And that means we're putting God someplace that he doesn't belong, any place second and below, right? And we are putting something else in God's position. Try putting, try putting love first in your marriage and see how that works out. Let's try putting love first and God second and see how that works out. That's not the way it's meant to work. God first, amen? God first, God's perfect love comes with putting God first. Why are we putting the effect in front of the cause? God's the one who brings and and offers perfect love. But if we redefine that, what we're bringing is something that we have created. I'll be the first to admit, and I know this might be a surprise to many people here, maybe, I'm not as smart as God is. Maybe that's not a surprise to you. Maybe it's not. It's probably not. But if, if we were to say, who are we going to rely on a definition that is created by? Is it created by me? I'm human. I am finite. I am a sinner. I am broken. I am one who has been molded. I am not one who molds. Why am I putting myself into the position of God to create a definition for something that is this important? This is so important. In 1 John chapter 4, verse number 9, says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, 
but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the substitution for our sins. I want to look at one word here. It's the word manifest. In this, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. God, the love of God was made manifest among us. Manifest means to be made known. When God is manifest to you, it means that God has been made known to you. When the love of God is manifest, that means that the love of God has been made known to you. For something to be made known, it means that somebody is teaching us. God is making known to us his love. And then the world's going to come, I promise you. The world is going to come and want to manifest the world's new definition of love to you. God's love to be known to you only can come from God manifesting that love. He can only come from him letting you know what his love is and what his love means. The world cannot tell you and cannot show you God's love without God. And for a world that wants to constantly distance itself from God, how can a world void of God manifest God's love to you? Only God can show us his love. But let's not fool ourselves. Our world will do all it can to manifest, to make known to you its redefinition of a godly trait. Because there's this push to redefine God. First John chapter 4, I'm in verse number 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. Watch this. And his love is perfected in us. What love? His love. Whose love is perfected? God's love is perfected. I can tell you that I really don't want the world's love perfected in me. That's a redefinition. The best in the world who can possibly redefine love is the best of us. God can perfect love. God has perfected love. If we are going to redefine his love, his word. We're tainting it. I don't know that any of us want tainted love perfected in our hearts. That's harmful. That's harmful to, for, to us. That's harmful to others. Write this down. This is the second point in your notes this morning. Only God can define true love. Now, we're not in a Disney story. We're not in a 
Cinderella story. We've got nobody that's been sleeping for years and no Prince Charming. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about true, perfect love. Only God can define true love. Only God can define a man. He made man. Only God can define, watch this, only God can define holiness. Only God can define righteousness. Only God can define, oh, this is big, sin. Only God can define justification, salvation. We must not let our world, our society, redefine the attributes of God. Yes, it's harmful for us, but it's harmful for our kids. It's very harmful for our kids. Some of these subjects, I know that, our, that, that this topic this morning, I understand that this is, that this is tough, that this is uncomfortable this morning. I know that. But if we don't teach our kids, I promise you the world will. They are looking, absolutely looking for every opportunity to teach your children that love is love. That you can define it however you want. That you can take a word that comes from God, you can take a word and an attribute of God and you can change it and it's okay. The world will tell you that. And it's fine with that. And as a matter of fact, it is going to celebrate you for doing so. Until it wants to change that definition again. Until someday... It's not good enough for this world anymore. Colossians chapter 13, verse number 12, Paul writes this to the church in Colossae. He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, he's talking to a group of believers, holy and beloved, you are holy and beloved. To be beloved means that you are loved. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other as the Lord forgave you. So you also must forgive. And above these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. But if you are putting on a misrepresentation of love, how can you bind in perfect harmony something that doesn't hold things together in perfect harmony? How can we put on a worldly definition of love and say that this, love is love? It will hold everything together in perfect harmony. God says, have compassionate hearts, kindness. Do you not think that kindness can be redefined by our world? Sure it can. Compassion? Well, that'll be redefined soon. Humility, meekness, patience. As soon as one word falls, they are all can start falling. We have to stand on biblical 
authority. God's word does not change. It is not open for reinterpretation. It is not open for us to just decide that this means whatever we want it to mean. God defines. We obey. 1 John chapter 4, I'm in verse number 13. John writes this, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us, watch this, his spirit. Whose spirit? God's spirit. He's given us. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. Abides means to live in, to live with. And he in God. So, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Statement from God says, I am love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I'll make this statement. You cannot abide in the world's definition of love and say that God abides in me. God's not talking about the world's definition of love. God is talking about God's perfect love. See, there's a difference in the words. To say that God is love and by abiding in God's love means that God abides in us, it says that God is making a home in our heart. That's really what we want. I want God living here. But it also means then that if love is love, and if abiding in the world's love means that the world abides in you, that, friends, is dangerous. Because the world has no absolute truth. God does. The world will change as soon as it wants to. God won't. Here's the third point that I want you to write down this morning. Being loved does not require feeling loved. We're in a culture that if we redefine love, we're going to redefine what somebody else does to us to make us feel loved. Say, I feel loved when I feel tingly inside. I feel loved when I get gifts. I feel loved when somebody else does this for me. That's what makes me feel loved. God loves you unconditionally. It means you don't have to do anything. Our world, though, it only loves you if you conform to this world, whatever it happens to be right now. Our world will cancel its love for you if you don't conform. God won't. God's love's always going to be there for you. It's not going anywhere. 1 John chapter 4, we're in verse number 17, wrapping up this morning. John writes this, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence 
for the day of judgment. Because as he is so, also we, as he is so, we are also in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. Talk about fear and love. Our world wants you to fear not being loved by this world. What sense does that make? If we keep you in check, if you conform with what the world is looking for you to do, you might, you might not lose the love of this world. You may someday, once they change their mind. But you conform. This world wants you to conform so that it's not going to shame you now, so that it's not going to take away its self-defined love for you. But God says, my perfect love will cast out fear of the world not loving you. If the world loves you or not, don't fear. God's perfect love is not going anywhere. It's not changing this year. It's not changing next year. It's not changing based on what some celebrity tweets. It does not change. I'm going to wrap up with this this morning. Point number four in your notes is this. Love cannot win. Because love it's not a game. God is not a game piece. If God is the one who creates love, gives love, perfects love, love can't win. Because God doesn't play. In order for love to win, that means that somebody loses. That means that there is a loser. That means that somebody is playing a game. God's not playing a game with his love for you. He loves you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pass go. You don't have to roll dice. You don't have to do anything. It's not a game. Love doesn't win. And Christian, I'll tell you, we like to say that. It's easy to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to flip this over and say, you know what? No, God wins. No, that's not the case either because God doesn't play because it's not a game. Alexander the Great once had a soldier in his army. The soldier actually bore his name, and this soldier was a man who, who expressed cowardice and, and, and he was lewd and he was cruel and, and, and he was lazy and he was selfish and Alexander the Great called him in one day to talk with him and he told the soldier he says this, he says either change your behavior or change your name 
And I wonder, Christian, if God ever looks at us and he says, if that's what you call love, either change your behavior or change your name. God's love is not a game. God's love is perfect. There's no more that needs to be said outside that God's love is. It simply is. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 5.13, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. That's not the world's love. That's God's love. Don't turn it into an opportunity for the flesh. Do you see that? You see the difference that Paul is saying? He's saying world's love is going to tell you you've got a license. You don't have a license. That's not what God's love is. Finally, Paul writes this to his protege, younger man by the name of Timothy. He writes this in 2 Timothy, verse number, chapter 1, verse number 6. This is so important. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and, watch this, self-control. Therefore, verse number 8, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. There might be some suffering in our world by standing up for our godly values. Amen? but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse number 10, which now has been manifested, remember it has been made known through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. Paul says this, verse number 12, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith of and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. This is so important. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard your hearts. Guard God's love. It is so important that not only we understand what love is, we understand that love is created by God, that God is love, that love is not God, but love, God's love, cannot be changed. It is not something for us to mess around with, to say I'm going to change the definition of. We don't just say, nah, love is love, and I'm just going to define love as love and call it love, and then I'm good. No. Love is an attribute and a quality of God that he has given you. It's up to us. Sometimes we take a gift and we re-gift it. 
to others. But we don't change it. We don't manipulate it. That's God's love. God's perfect love. Any other definition of love is less than perfect.